0: Today we have back with us Dave Peterson. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you. We are looking at the gospel reading for the 17th Sunday after Trinity. It comes from Luke chapter 14 verses 1 to 11. I'll we'll go ahead and read that in the English standard version. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right in terms of context, um, in Luke there's a whole lot of meals as the occasion for Jesus teaching. It comes up in Luke five, Luke seven, Luke eleven, our text, and then Luke nineteen. What's going on with that? Is there anything going on with that?
1: I think there is something going on with it, but also it is just the reality of the way that the world is ordered, especially the ancient world, where you know food, you know there was there was uh, scarcity in the way ancient world. It didn't have the sort of ability to preserve food or to store food the same way we do. So you know, actually taking care of strangers, um, and providing for them and recognizing I mean that was a more essential and necessary part of society. there there is a kind of generosity and camaraderie fellowship that goes on with it. and certainly um, you know, there is symbolically an eschatological reality to mm-hmm. it. So you know he they are sharing with him, and in I mean, I think in some ways, his response is sort of rude, right? <laughs> I mean, here is the Sabbath, come on over to our house for dinner. And then he's like, hey, I'd like to point out a bunch of stuff you guys are bad at, Um, like being Christians for one thing. So I don't know if this is, you know, if they're exactly extending table fellowship to him and then he's rejecting it. But, you know, at least he does take the occasion to to mm-hmm. reject their fellowship in some sense, and then also to teach on the idea of fellowship yeah. with these these banquet. Because well, the next the the thing does go on right in that same context. Right after they take the lowest place, which is you know what to do if you're invited. He immediately then tells a parable about what to do if you're the one inviting, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is worth reading. So then they also verse twelve. Then they also said to him who invited him. When you give a, or he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Hmm. So you get both sides there.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, though. Obviously, sitting down and having meals with family, that was the common everyday experience as opposed to our day. That's that you can't count on that anymore. Um, right. Is there, is there a sense in which this is a special meal and it would have been expected inviting someone like Jesus, that there would have been rigorous kind of intellectual discourse where they would be challenged and that, uh, those who invited Jesus would be challenged by Jesus, and likewise, Jesus would be expected to be challenged by them.
1: Hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think he's he's being invited as a rabbi, so he's being, they, they want to have discourse and maybe even want to be taught. I, I don't know what the exact expectation is, though. It seems to me that, I, I don't know. I don't hmm. know enough about it. Yeah. Um, to, to to say, it seems like he's sort of rude from my perspective. Like I would expect a visiting rabbi to be more polite, to defer to the host. In fact, to compliment the host mm. rather than you know pointing out you're ignoring this guy with dropsy and you're not really lawful. Mm-hmm. You know, which is pretty. I, I, that's a that's a pretty stern uh, um, insult or you know rebuke, right? To say because that's the implication you're not being lawful. Mm. So,
0: this whole dropsy guy—I mean, I think we've talked about this before. Um, you have at the beginning that they were watching him carefully. Uh, Lenski makes a big deal out of how this was not a setup by the Pharisees and and those who invited Jesus. Um, do you think? Do you think we can make that conclusion that it's not a setup? Do you think? Mm there's enough information to say that it was. He just says there's not enough information uh, because he says, you know, look, there's just a man. Um, Are we, are we reading correctly by reading into this as part of their setup or was he one of the men invited? Uh, Was he the son of perhaps the one inviting? Uh, What, What's with the guy with dropsy? It's like he just comes in out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I I so I think that they don't even see the man with dropsy. Mm-hmm. He's just there all the time. Um I mean I I don't know. I can't prove that, but it seems to me as though Jesus is here's this guy with dropsy, whatever. He's part of the household, one of the sons, maybe even one of the servants, but they don't care about him. They're just used to him. Yeah. And um, they've found a pious-sounding excuse to ignore him and to lack compassion. And Jesus is the one that sees him. And I think this behold, you know, I like to make a big deal out of that word, but, right, you have that again, behold, right? Look here. Notice this. This is this is noteworthy. There's a man with dropsy. I don't think anybody else thinks that's noteworthy except God, right? We're not. Hey, look, here's a homeless guy. Uh, we're trying not to look at him, Right. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to notice. And you know Jesus is like, "Hey, look, this is great. Here's a guy in need that you can help." And we're like, ah, uh, not so great. I don't want to help." Yeah. So the the behold here I think is to call attention to something that should have been obvious and is obvious to those who have compassion to Jesus and his father, but but which the uh, Pharisees find easy to ignore. And then that's I mean, I think their silence is shame. It's yeah. Yeah, it's funny this account Jesus is the only one that speaks. Nobody else speaks. Yeah.
0: So so he- what do you think of this? What if um what if dropsy had become kind of like a socially acceptable disease in hmm. their day? Uh there are a lot of like church fathers and other uh, ancient commentators on these texts that talk about how dropsy was the rich man's disease. So like so in our day, maybe it would be, I don't know, um, obesity, obesity, or yeah. um, you know, a, kind of another, uh, another newer malady that has become kind of in vogue as depression or something like that. Um, do you think that they didn't notice it because it's like they're all very wealthy and they're all going to end up there, and it's just by noticing it means that they actually have to take into account their own actions and and change something that, that they're currently doing. And so he's part of the group and Jesus is doing the uncomfortable thing of pointing out kind of like along the lines you were saying, notice this, but you know, it become socially acceptable. So they just stopped noticing it. Not like they oh. wanted to put it away because it made them uncomfortable in the sense like homeless people make us uncomfortable or the really mentally ill, you know, the, those who have schizophrenia or something like that. Uh, but rather this was part and parcel of their community and they didn't, they didn't want to recognize it for the malady that it was. I
1: don't know. It, I mean, it's could be heart disease, right? He's retaining water. Uh, you know, it could be, yeah, we don't know exactly what it is or why they're ignoring it. I'm trying to think of what I, I think. Obesity is too easy of a term. In our, you know, obesity actually is more of a problem for poor people, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, than wealthy people. Uh, wealthy people can, the wealthiest people can typically afford to eat. You know, they can get interesting, tasty food that's healthy. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what would be the acceptable. I don't know, skin cancer because you spend all of your time in the Caribbean in the sun. I I don't, I I wonder what, what is a disease in our age that's actually a sign of wealth? Jet lag. I I don't know. I'm trying to, but I don't think it's obesity is all. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to think of, uh, but, but in certainly in their case, right? Obesity, where it's not easy to get fat because it's hard to get enough calories and to not have to work. you know, could this, could this be right that they're happy that he doesn't even recognize it as an ailment? I mean, he I mean, obviously does in, in terms
0: of the limitations that it puts upon him, but, yeah, but, but perhaps not in the, in the sense that he feels any shame about it.
1: Yeah. We don't, I mean, there's nothing we get, no, you know, he doesn't speak, right. Mm-hmm. It just, he was there and he gets healed and he's let go. And, but he doesn't respond in any way.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I'm just trying to think through it. Like, So often, Jesus is pointing out things that, uh, and, and healing things that everyone had just accepted as normal.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know, I'm thinking, of, you know, I'm thinking on the fly here, but, you know, he brings it to the Sabbath, though. This is not, you know, should we heal this guy or not? Is this a malady that requires healing? The question is: Is this lawful to do on the Sabbath, which which assumes that everybody's going to agree that it would be lawful to do another day? Mm-hmm. I, I think I think in the context here, I'm going to dismiss that idea. I think that the the emphasis of the question, the way he sets it up, everybody the. the I think the key part is, right, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You've been a you've been pretending the reason that you're not helping is because you care about the law, but the truth is you don't. Hmm. Okay. Right? Well, that makes sense. I think sense. that's I think that's fair. Yeah. 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 And then they and then their response they can't answer that, right? They're just struck silent by that. They have no they were watching him closely. That's the other thing. Uh, so okay, maybe it's I never actually considered the idea that it was a setup. Um, I think that's interesting that Lenski brings that up as though they brought this guy with dropsy just to see if Jesus would heal him so they'd have something against him because he breaks the law. That's yeah. the setup. Yeah. Um, I, well, I've never thought of that. I, I mean, so I didn't have a reason to dismiss it, but I, it doesn't seem like that to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway, so, but he, but he does take advantage of it and then preemptively just brings, they're watching him closely. He knows why they're close watching him closely. He has a reputation of not honoring the Sabbath according to their traditions. And so he just puts it out there. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They, they just, they don't want to answer because, because they can't because it will convict them. Right. So he does it. And then, I like the I like the translate I like the uh, vocab of donkey or ox instead of son. By the way, which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath? Um, and there, I think, right. The point is, look, if if this was a fight a financial decision, you wouldn't care if it was the Sabbath, right? Yeah. That's why I think donkey is better than ox. I mean, I don't have any ability to really judge the merit of these these uh, manuscripts, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on imaginary scientific evidence and how they were <laughs> awaited. But I just think that the argument makes more sense. It's it's like, of course, not even a human. You would do this just for financial gain,
0: mm. not
1: not out of sympathy or compassion for donkeys or oxen, but just because you don't want to lose money by a donkey dying because you had to wait till Monday mm-hmm. or until uh, Sunday, right? Yeah. So, so I, again, this is – this is exposing their hypocrisy. You were pretending that you didn't care about this, that you cared about the guy, but you were just, you couldn't help it. It was the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. But really, that's not real. And then here, right, I can show this because if it was about money, you don't care about the Sabbath. Yeah. And again, they can't answer him, right?
0: Well, you do get this statement in Deuteronomy 22. Uh, and this seems to go along with kind of where you're what you're emphasizing, namely that you guys are ignoring them. And in in Deuteronomy 22, 1 through 4, it's, you shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall Hmm. take them back to your brother. uh, And then you shall do the same with his donkey or with his garment or with any lost thing of your brother's, which he loses. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. You shall help him to lift them up again. Um, So there's the the sense of, uh, as you were saying, ignoring or putting out of sight, out of mind. And I mean, interesting too, this follows immediately about the man who's hanged on a tree is cursed. Um, I don't know what to make of that, um, but it's there. It's, I don't know. Either. It's the very yeah. next thing.
1: Well, I think the uh, here, right, it's not just that they're ignoring it. It's that they're ignoring it and then pretending that they're doing some great good work. Mm. So, I mean, it's part of their hypocrisy that, right, just th- that they're, right, oh, well, of course, you know. I want to help you but you know I'm so pious. Yeah.
0: Well I mean what's interesting about it is they're not willing to do this and ignore it but when it comes to Jesus <laughs> hanging on the tree we got to get him down yeah. because tomorrow's the sabbath <laughs> and That's right. we can't you know we can't we can't let him be there all night because the law says.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's always a uh, right this is the problem this is why they're actually hypocrites because they say the law and they do the law, but they don't actually believe it. And they're confident and comfortable in their works, right? They 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 really believe that the external works that they are doing are enough to you know appease God's wrath and and, and more than appease God's wrath, right? Deserve a reward. So they don't live by faith. So what's the you know, so right? Of course, they're gonna they're gonna fulfill the letter of the law as though when it's that's convenient. What it's about. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, this is pretty standard fare for everyone who is religious.
1: Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, what's the connection between the humility stuff and this? Is there any connection between the interaction about healing on the Sabbath and then the humility stuff? I mean, because he goes right into it.
1: Yeah, I think that this has this is there's a connection here about ethics in the kingdom, right? What that is that uh, what is lawful, what is actually lawful? What is the law? What, what drives the law? How is it that the law reveals God's character? And then mm. the details actually matter. So, you know, um, the lo- what is lawful is always compassion. And what is lawful always has an eye on eternity. So it's not simply concerned with earthly things, profit or or honor among men, mm-hmm. uh, but it is concerned about men and the people in front of us and what's needed. and it also is concerned about you know sin and forgiveness or you know the consequences of our sin and the need for cleansing and righteousness, which I think you know you really get that because that whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And we don't want to be this, that means, uh, whoever is proud in this life will go to hell, right? That's going to be the humbling that comes. Whereas whoever humbles himself now, right? Whoever doesn't try to stand according to to his works will be exalted, even as Jesus is exalted in the resurrection and ascension. Mm -hmm. So, but then also in the other, in the next parable, right? With the whole thing about what to do when you're the one inviting, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, You will be blessed if you invite the the people that need food and that don't have a place to go. You'll be blessed because they can't repay you in this life. But in fact, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So there is that kind of dual thing. Focus on actual people and their needs apart from honor among men, but very aware of the heart of the Father and his mercy, and then living in accordance with that with our brothers in our vocations. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an ethical tie to the. Yeah, I think the parables are related to the healing, or an explanation of the healing.
0: Okay. All right, so so you prefer which of you having a donkey or an ox, not having a son or an ox?
1: Yeah, I just think it makes the point better. Do you, will it, you it just, bring that up? It exposes up? the hypocrisy. Oh, probably. Well, we'll read it from New King James, so it'll say donkey, so I don't have to bring it up. They won't even, well, they might. <laughs> I don't have to get into it. But I just think sun is too on the nose, right? Um, it, it makes more sense to me. I mean, the argument, right? It's, it's a from lesser to greater kind of thing. If you would do this for a donkey, for your own profit, how would you not do it for a human being? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the point of the comparison. Whereas if it says you do it for a son, then it's too even.
0: Yeah, you know, the
1: comparison doesn't work as well. That I mean, it's just a literary kind of uh, argument I am making. from
0: the lesser to the greater. If you would do it for the lesser, surely you would do it to, yeah. for the greater.
1: Right, right. And and the argument doesn't make as much sense if you just go, well, you do it for a son, you know, and that. But then it's like, well, then it's not about profitability as much. It's just. It's less of a contrast.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Why do you like the sun one? Oh, uh, no, I just was asking you. Um, I mean, I think the reason the word—if it let's assume, let's let's play like pretend like we're text critics and we're trying to figure out why the scribe changed it. So, right, the text critics all think they know. So, they, it was originally donkey. That's my text criticism decision. But then why? But then you have to know why would the scribe change it to sun? Mm-hmm. I think the reason the scribe would change it to sun. Is because he wants to make the connection and make sure we recognize that Jesus sees the man with dropsy as a son.
0: Mm.
1: Okay, um, but or you know, but that's kind of the. I don't know why why the uh, critical text prefers son. Maybe they think that the that the uh, scribe thought the way I do and thought he could fix and make the analogy better by making a donkey. So, <laughs> I, I I don't like text criticism. Yeah, that's probably apparent. I just don't. I just don't trust it. It just feels way too guessworky. But we do have sometimes these variants, so we have to deal with them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to deal with them. We can just ignore them, which is what I usually do. But when you read the ESV, you force me to deal with it.
0: Yeah, sorry. I can't remember <laughs> what is the Greek word for it's onos, right? Right. So, it could just be- So, it's you know, close to Wios. Yeah. Typo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just- a,
1: Sloppy handwriting.
0: Yeah, could. Yeah. Well, I mean, It look, could be. I'm, I don't know. Transposition. Sure. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, new could look like uh, Upsilon. Yeah. I could. don't know.
1: It. Uh, I don't think it's a huge point, uh, you know. But, I mean, I, I like your point. I, I mean- so, well, my point's right. Whether which other word? I mean, that certainly the point of the uh of the Jesus statement is to expose their hypocrisy, yeah, whether it's son or a donkey,
0: yeah. The text crits were probably thinking this is the most unlikely reading, yeah, because yeah, if you had donkey there, that goes right along with Deuteronomy 22, and so and the, ox. Yeah. the the weos is the sun reading is probably less likely and the less likely reading is, I don't know, supposed to be of higher value or something. That's the original,
1: right? It's less likely a scribe would change it in a weird way than a scribe would change it in a logical way. Right. So that's the, that's the the philosophy they operate with. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in terms of preaching, I would, I don't think there's any reason to get caught up in it. So do you right? preach on the whole thing
0: then? Do you go, do you bring both of those things? Or do you focus on one thing or the other?
1: I think I'm going to, in fact, I think I'm going to add through 14. Don't tell scamming. I, because it's <laughs> a single It's a single event, right? This happens at one, it all happens together. And I think the two parables should go together. Because I really like this, getting the how to behave when you're invited how to behave when you're inviting and and seeing both of those as an explanation that is typified in how you treat the man with dropsy
0: but then why um, stop there why not go to what you're supposed <laughs> to do when you're invited and say that you're going to come and not give excuses I know.
1: I know. Well, you got to, because this was at least at the same, well, actually the next one is too, because right, verse 15, one of those who sat at table heard these things. Right. I know. Well, that is a different topic though.
0: (laughs) And we already get that reading.
1: It is is so hard to cut these things. We just had for our um, school lectionary this year, last year we read through Genesis chapter a day. That was fun. And then and then this year I wanted to try, I want to work on biblical literacy because I really enjoy teaching children who know the Bible stories. It's way more fun. It, it's, it's way better. So so I said, okay, let's try to, let's look at the, let's get the key narratives of the Old Testament, you know, and whatever, you know, we'll get like six, 50, 60 stories and try to get through them in a, a year or two years so that they have this. And we got completely bogged down in Exodus. We couldn't cut anything. I mean, it, it because we love the details too much. Mm. I mean that comp- we, we did cut a few we did try to cut some things, but it is funny how painful it is for us, for me personally, right? I love the details. I just like I always want to expand. It is a personal flaw of mine. So
0: okay. right? It is hard. Well, it's
1: hard to not so I you're right, I suppose it is You know, when you start going, where do you stop? But I love it all. I I want it all in there. Uh, Okay.
0: Well, again, you wouldn't (laughs) have to read it. I know. You could just bring it up. Maybe we
1: won't read it. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: But I mean, that would bring you to kind of a a a fivefold use here, like training in righteousness, like hospitality um, versus... You know being insular and not and not opening your home to those outside your immediate family uh, and so so you could you could bring that up and use it yeah. there
1: yeah I mean this what I mean I do think it's worth right our people we could use instruction on both right how to I think you could even. You know, gives some kind of spiritual counsel and practical advice in terms of, you know, this idea of being humble. Uh, we we shouldn't take this this parable, even though of course it, it is also kind. It's a repetition, right, from uh, Proverbs, but it, we shouldn't take this literally. Um, in, what I mean by that is, we shouldn't take this as. Uh, and exact instructions of how to behave as though our purpose is to manipulate our hosts so that we get honor among men, right? Mm. Jesus is not telling us, look, if you, this is what you really should do, unless he's mocking them, unless he's saying, look, if you're really that concerned and you really want everybody to make a big fuss about you and to be noticed, then deliberately take a place that's too low so there can be a big production. Um, I mean, that's not what Jesus is interested in. So this is an allegory.
0: Yeah, and it's, but that's it's a risk.
1: Meant, there's a certain risk in it. So he,
0: want, he does want you to take the lowest place.
1: He does, but he wants you to take the lowest place sincerely. Of Not course. for the purpose of manipulation. Yeah. Do you and, think and we so, have an
0: issue with that in our day? I mean, among Lutherans, think, yeah. people that we uh, are commonly in conversation with. It seems to me like we have a problem with refusing to move up. Right someone set, that's said I was get. rejecting the offer of the host's invitation, like you know i don't right. wanna, i don't want to I don't want to do that
1: right. if I accept your charity then then that 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 creates an equity problem between us, and and that makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. so I'm unable to accept gifts. I also think where I was going to go with this is how difficult it is for us to graciously accept compliments ah. Oh. Because, you know, I think this is right, it makes us feel uncomfortable and awkward if we've been if we've been complimented. And I think this is an important ethical reality that we do need to learn how to take compliments graciously so that we don't insult the person who gives the compliment and so that we can actually learn to speak well of one another and to praise one another and to encourage one another mm-hmm. rather than right, because it's it's like that is what we're called to do. Yeah. Um We pray, but we're only really comfortable, children receive praise, but it's hard to receive praise as an adult. So I think to think a little bit about that is useful. Um, I just listened to uh, some lectures on, what was it? Conversation, how to become a better conversationalist. And um, the lecture, she was talking about how often compliments go wrong. It was really fascinating. I always tease uh, Ben Mays around here. Been doing it for a couple of years, that whenever he gives a compliment, it feels like an insult. <laughs> so because because walks out of uh, so it's kind of a running joke. So he'll walk out of he walk out of church and he'll be like, "Hey, that was a good sermon, right?" And so it always sort of sounds in a way, right? I, he doesn't really do that, but but anyway, there it is possible to do that, and it was hilarious to me because we've been. I've been teasing him about this for a while, and she talked about that very thing: how often compliments go wrong because they're because they're misheard, or right, or they can be used in a kind of backwards way, and all this sort of stuff. So, so to just think about uh, what does it mean, you know, Eighth Commandment, right? What does it mean to speak well of one another, and how might we give not flattery but sincere compliments that actually encourage one another, right? That. It's important for children that you know praise creates a certain amount of energy and you know blessing. God blesses us. He speaks well of us. we speak well of one another. But then how do we not ruin that? It's worth some examination, I think, and to mm-hmm. right? No, so definitely. I agree with you, right how do, we, how, do, how do we go up higher? How do we accept this? How do we um, you know without becoming proud, but acknowledge it? False humility is not a virtue. And false humility is of common vice, I think, among us, mm-hmm. because we don't know how to, you know, we're going to pretend, you know, if I have, right, if whatever, you know, if all of a sudden we have, you know, the head of the Fort Wayne Children's Choir pretends like he can't sing any better than anybody else, you know, it's well, just Well, as you false, said, you
0: this know? is a parable, so, you know, it should be read with that in mind, is he is he telling us to be ambitious but for the right things like so oh i like uh, it so set aside the exaltation of men like in John 12 you know they the people are described as those who desire the praise of men or the glory of men rather than the glory of God and or the glory that comes from God is this Jesus's direct teaching here to these people look, um, you should not be looking to get glory from one another. There's only one who can really give glory. And right. if you wanted that kind of glory, you've got to set aside your desire, your ambition here to be seen as the greatest so that God can actually raise you up and, and give you that kind of glory. Does that make sense?
1: Right. Yeah, well, I, the other thing I, I think exactly makes sense, and the other thing I was going to go with with this was this, this compliment thing, is to believe and even to confess the things that Jesus says about us. So if we humble ourselves truly, right, again, the allegory, right, we take the lowest place in the kingdom, like the Syrophoenician woman, I'm the dog eating the crumbs from the master's table, and Jesus says, come up higher, right, we don't say, oh, no, I'm a sinner, mm-hmm. right? We, we, no, we go, Right, Jesus says that I am the son of the King, and now I'm going to act like it, and I'm going to act in a way that's appropriate. So if he if he brings me up higher, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to stay down here, mm-hmm. right? I like it down here. Or, you know, um, right? We're being invited into the presence of the King. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be acting like we're in a concert hall or a beer hall. We should act like we're in church, right? We should recognize we're being called up to the altar of God, right? Not to, I don't know, a football stadium, you know, whatever the sort of uh, you know lowbrow kind of thing would be, yeah, uh, we're called up higher, we're called up higher. And we should act we, we should believe what He says about us, not not stay in our old ways, but be changed by it, and also act in ways that are appropriate to it. And sometimes, I think we act like, oh, well, Jesus loves me just like I am. I'm gonna stay right here, and then we again, we pretend either it's like, oh, I'm not worthy to do that, you know, or but it's actually rude. It's like again the other the other the parable that follows, refusing the wedding garment. Mm-hmm. I like my own clothes, I'm gonna stay dressed this way. yeah, I'm not changing.
0: so do you bring up Moses at the burning bush here as kind of a an oh. image of that? Oh, you know, I can't speak, I can't, and you know God is saying, no, you're gonna. <laughs> Uh, I'm with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a good, that is an interesting scene there. It's hilarious. Moses is so ballsy. I mean, <laughs> sometimes in the wrong way. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I mean, it's amazing how. Uh, but yeah, I mean, God does God does relent uh, though. I mean, He does provide Aaron. Yeah. There's so much interesting stuff there. But how often does
0: Moses use Aaron? Maybe just that first sign, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah, the first time he goes back, right? Pharaoh. It says Pharaoh and Moses go together. I don't know. The whole thing is, it's you know what is what would it be like to stick your hand in your shirt and come out leprous? You know, I don't think that was probably a pleasant sign to perform (laughs) for Moses. I, I don't know anyway uh there's a lot going on there I think I think it's all also I think it's all Christological mm-hmm. um you know but that's a whole other thing yeah uh there there is this there is a certain sense in which well Peter right uh, uh you know oh don't wash me mm. you know you've got that too that's that's inappropriate that that he should Accept it. So I love uh, you've got John and you know Salome. I love that that uh, right. Uh, this isn't your Jesus says you know this isn't for me to give the right and the left. But but he doesn't rebuke them for wanting the seats. Mm-hmm. The other the ten get mad, but you know Jesus kind of accepts it as a whatever. He doesn't promise the seats to them. But he doesn't tell them they can't have them either. Mm-hmm. There is some place for godly ambition, though I don't. We need another word. ambition's probably the wrong word. Whoever desires the office of bishop desires a good work, right? That's yeah. An, an well, ambition. I mean,
0: uh, I mean, ambition is glory. I mean, seeking it, glory. I don't know what the
1: word. Oh, okay. Isn't it? What's the etymology of ambition? I don't know. Um, in English, you
0: get what? Um, in James, it talks about am, uh, a wrong ambition. I'd have to well, look up where right. that I is.
1: Mean, there's plenty. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, there's plenty of. Well, anyway. I wish Seek- they had well, a thesaurus.
0: I wish they had a thesaurus for Greek. I, I think that... they
1: do. I bet the Greek people do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for like ancient biblical stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. You know? Well, you sort of have synonyms that. Synonyms and T-D-N-T. antonyms. I mean, TDNT does group words that way. It does give a list of synonyms usually, or at least
0: yeah, but yeah, what, I think what's I'm, the antonym? You know, that's what's so
1: yeah, that, okay, so helpful
0: that's not, in right and looking at. So, what's the opposite
1: of it? Right. Yeah, that's true. No, it doesn't have that very often, unless it's the unless it's just a uh, alpha primitive at the beginning of the word. Sometimes that I think's included. Sure, but that's not really a, helpful. But I don't know. I've never thought about that before. You you caught me off guard again. Sorry.
0: Uh, so no, so you mean about the ambition thing
1: it, no about the uh, uh thesaurus idea Oh. Uh, so okay anyway yeah the ambition thing's interesting that we we should anyway we 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 must accept the words of Jesus about us and trust in them and when he says come up higher which which I would say right means come to the altar when he says come to the altar we go right and you know so I, Right. I am not worthy that, they should, that you should come under my roof, but say the word and my soul will be healed. Right. So we have the, there. there's a humility in it, but there's also a confidence that he has the authority to do this and he's the one calling us up.
0: Yeah. But so, I, I think there's more to it than that too. Um, you know, he puts you as a father and grants you authority and you say, mm-hmm. no, you're going to, you want to find something else, something that the world recognizes. <laughs> or, he grants you the authority of mother and all the 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 wonders that come with you know the hand that rocks the cradle um you know controls the world and yet you're seeking to do something else uh so you have all these stations where god actually puts us he's saying move up higher but we reject it for something that is more recognizable among men
1: yeah that's a good point yeah we don't we don't Right. He says, come up higher. And we're like, eh, that's not really higher. <laughs> right. I, right. I don't know about that, Jesus. I, I got an- yeah. I got another idea. Yeah. Yeah. He says, he says, here, come and have, c- c- come, come and uh, do this glorious work, right? Be involved in the raising of my children. And we're like, yeah, you know, it would be better <laughs> if uh, you gave me a bunch of money. Yeah. So, well, I mean, whatever the, it is.
0: The same thing. He shows us what the higher place is when he's crucified his suffering yeah. and his death and he calls us to that kind of uh, endurance of suffering and we don't see it as that we want to avoid it right because we don't recognize right. the resurrection and ascension that comes after it right or we we just don't believe it the way we ought to or or,
1: or at least we don't recognize i mean we don't recognize it when we're in it, I mean, we do recognize it in others, right? we We do look at Navy seals and are impressed, right? I mean, we're like, "Wow, what they did was cool. i And we recognize their glory or their valor, right and and maybe even are jealous of it. We would like to have that for ourselves. but we and we know that the way they got it was by suffering. Mm-hmm. that they did these really, really hard things. So we can see it in others, but when it's offered to us, it just right. It just doesn't feel like it's going to be worth it. Yeah, the, resi- the resistance is too much. I'll eat the donut. <laughs> I, I want the I want the immediate pleasure. I don't want you know. I I want the glory that comes from sacrifice, but I and I can see it in others, but in myself, it just never feels worth it. So I avoid pain and I seek pleasure, even though some at some level I know better. I mean not even theologically though though it's really applicable theologically I think.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you're going to use this to talk about valor or ambition um courage oh, how do you do that? I mean cuz it does take um there is a great risk when you when Jesus says to them sit at the lowest place the guy that invites you might not notice. Yeah. And you got to be totally and then be okay with that. There. Because yeah, your I mean, it, in heaven I, does notice.
1: That's right. I mean, you know, like this. So again, like the guys that the guys that become seals uh, aren't the guys that just want the badge. You know, I mean, if you just want the valor, you're in it for the wrong reason. And uh, you know, it's it's the guys that that actually are content to suffer and that mm-hmm. actually want to do the job. I mean, I'm sure there's exceptions because there's dirt bags and there's fakes in every field i know but um right i mean i think that's right we're, we're called to true humility not humility for the sake of manipulation and we take the lowest seat in confidence again of the syrophoenician woman right we just believe that actually to be in the kingdoms what matters and god will bless us and will take it and it'll be good
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know he's so going to this- put us Ed- in the right place
0: Is this a building upon the seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you? Yeah, I think it fits. Yeah.
1: But I also think, though, I would also, I think we could also take an opportunity at this to also recognize that this requires deliberate planning and effort. So, because what's here, right, he's told here, think about this in advance and where you're going to sit and then deliberately take the lowest place in humility and wait and see what happens and trust in me. I think that uh, this is an opportunity, perhaps, to talk about the need to be deliberate about the exercise and cultivation of piety, that we don't just simply let the gospel take care of it, right? It, it's And, and I often that kind of language has been used among us to to sort of deny actually the need for biblical guidance and correctives. So again, if you sort of go back to this, you know, the guy with dropsy there, right? We need to be, we need the refiner's fire of God's word. And we need to actually have biblical ethics and biblical, right? We're not going to just look, you know, what should I do? Let's somebody ask you a question like, you know, hey, pastor, what does the Bible teach about birth control? And if you just say, well, we'll just let the gospel take care of that, that's an irresponsible answer, right? Mm-hmm. Because and, and, it, and, and it might seem like a nice answer, like it's a, a Lutheran answer because it's focusing on the gospel and it's not legalistic. And the lay people might even kind of like it because it just lets them do whatever they want and they don't have to feel guilty or think about it. But it also prevents them from searching the scripture and it teaches them that the Bible doesn't actually apply to their lives or you know have anything to say to modern situations and needs it's it's really an anti-biblical answer because it wants to deny that the bible teaches things i mean it's the same sort of thing you know like we have churches that are practicing open communion they're mm-hmm. doing that because they think the the holy communion is about the gospel well i think holy communion is about the gospel also I also believe that the Bible gives directives and laws and rules that guide and tell us how it's to be used. And just because those are law doesn't mean it undermines the gospel reality of the Holy Communion. But people who are practicing open communion are actually denying inerrancy, perspicuity, and the applicability of Holy Scripture. So mm-hmm. there, there's, there's all sorts of things in here. These guys These Pharisees were pretending to be pious as though they were going by what was lawful to do or not. Sometimes we're making the sort of same error, but we're doing it instead of using the word lawful, we're using the word gospel, right? Well, what's according to the gospel? What does the gospel say? Should women be pastors or not? Well, let's just let the gospel take care of it. No, right? That's not, the gospel takes care of sin. The gospel forgives sin. The gospel does not, right? And and in the gospel, there's neither male nor female. So, you know, if you're gonna say, oh, what does the gospel say about women pastors? I would say the gospel says, right, knock yourself out. But the law, right, the Bible, isn't just forgiveness of sins. It's also showing us what's good. It shows us God's will. And and we need, you know, all of these sorts of things. So mm-hmm. I mean, I can't I really I think you could almost just change this to, right? That Jesus says, right. You know, is it, gospel, is, is it gospel to deny somebody communion, you know, or is it gospel to deny women pastors, or is it gospel yeah. to—so th- 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 all of that to just say that it's possible to sort of take your piety or your kind of theological buzzwords or ideals and use them to not read the Bible— yeah. And to use them to excuse what you want to do.
0: Well, I think you bring up a really good point because so often we use the word gospel as though it's the antithesis to the law or that it's the opposite of the law. And and in some cases, we we do understand it that way. But Jesus is, I think what Jesus expects the answer if they were to actually respond to him when he says, is it lawful? He expects them to say, yeah, it is. right. Because otherwise, you wouldn't right. do it. Right. Um right. And I mean, it's clear from Deuteronomy 22 that it is lawful. And th- they are, again, they're using their own theology as a, an excuse for not doing things instead of using their theology as the very reason to do them.
1: Right. And I we're, we have a, the same temptation, though I think it often comes in the other way, we're using we're using the our theology to not do things yeah. right, or to do things that we just want to do right. But I want to. I want dr- <laughs> Yeah, we do, but we do. It's all right. I mean, we're that, the fallen flesh is so good at making excuses. Yeah. So, right? like,
0: so you know, on on the one hand, you were bringing up pastors with regard to close communion or um, women's ordination or th- things, but you know, the people. They use baptism and confirmation as a means to say, oh, you know, things are fine. So long as I don't bring it up, right. you know, everything right. should be fine. And I can just hold on to those things.
1: Or homosexuality, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I know God loves him. That's what really, that's the really thing, you know, no matter, even if he renounces God, even if he, yeah, well, you're right. You're deluding yourself. And well, you're, not- you're
0: actually making yourself in the highest place instead of yeah. taking the lower and seat and listening
1: and excusing yourself from actually telling your beloved the truth mm-hmm. that he needs to hear because he's in danger
0: so is, is there a sense in which Jesus sees himself as the one who invited them to this thing um right that Ooh, I that, like, that he's they all uh, think they invited him yeah and he's really acting like the host um so is the is there is there a sense where they think he should be in a low spot. Maybe he is in the low spot. Um yeah, maybe. but he's trying he's to probably tell him Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm really the one who invited you to these
1: things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean he does have that tendency to act like God, you know, wherever <laughs> he goes. <laughs> which is which is, you know, often very annoying to them. <laughs> I, I read years ago, I think it was in, I mean, this was decades ago. I think it was in Christianity Today, but maybe it was someplace else. Maybe it was, but there was a rabbi that, that responded to the Sermon on the Mount. Do, do you remember this? It was Some kind of no. New York rabbi, and he was like invited to comment on the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe this was just in the newspaper. But anyway, his response was, who does he think he is? God? which was just perfect uh yeah he does actually (laughs) he's like this is really inappropriate way for a person for a person to speak well not if he is god right Right. so i mean it was like he sort of did see through it and i think that's always kind of resonated with me it's you, you can see this jesus is just he has this right he's he teaches as one with authority and he has this confidence because he knows who he is and he knows to whom he belongs and he trusts his father. I've I've decided, by the way, just recently, within the last seven days, I've 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 mostly emphasized that Jesus as son is about obedience. Mm-hmm. Right, he's obedient to his father. But I've just I've just came to realize I can't believe I never thought of this before. It's not really obedience. It's actually faith. I mean, it, it, it acts out as obedience, but it's because he actually trusts his Father, that, that Jesus is, right, what he's actually, the virtue he's actually displaying is not that he's doing what he's told, mm-hmm. though he yeah. is, but he's doing what he's told because he actually believes that his Father is good. He totally trusts his Father. He lives by faith more than anybody. Well, I mean, that is, doesn't
0: St. Paul talk about that in Romans 1, the obedience of faith?
1: Oh, there you go. I don't know. For me, it was a kind of a new way, a slight nuance of thinking about how Jesus is acting. So anyway, my point here, it's like this faith is such confidence and such comfort. Like he's able, I think about how uncomfortable, I mean, I would hate to have been in his situation. I've been in situations not completely, I mean, like this, where I'm in a, a, you know, at a dinner with hostile people, political enemies, right? Mm -hmm. And I have to make nice and it's awkward. And, you know, we make small talk and, you know, it, it, but, right, I hate that. And, you know, Jesus is just comfortable. I really think he's comfortable wherever he goes, he, you know, right, because because he trusts his father. I don't trust the father like I should, mm-hmm. right? I'm worried about the opinions of men and also what they could do to me. So so there is, I like what you say about he's he's the host. Maybe he is, whether he's the host or not, he totally knows who he is. And he has no fear of men or of reputation or, right? He fears, loves, and trusts in his father perfectly. And that gives him confidence. I mean, not just to die on the cross, that's obviously the ultimate, but, you know, to tell off Pharisees, to heal people of dropsy, he, he doesn't, all the stuff we care about, he doesn't care about,
0: Yeah. right? Yeah, he, he, he's, he's not taken in by the, the warmth of the herd.
1: No, and that's really it's it's a marvel. I think that's what makes him so odd and so annoying, you know, to to them, but also praiseworthy. Oh well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's absolutely admirable. I mean, it's the ultimate virtue. It's it's the real thing. But it's you know, I think this is probably related to what it means that he that he teaches with authority. Is I think it's related to this, and I think you know their bad reaction is related to this. It's. You know, some of it's jealousy on their part, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're feeling accused by this. But they just, you know, he's not responding in a way that's typical or expected, or that they're comfortable with. And I mean, even here, they're just sil- They don't even know how to respond. There's just he just silences them. Yeah, he doesn't physically restrain them. No, right? Just asks the question. But he asks it with such authority and such sincerity, with with this with this confidence and trust and goodness, without any malice or hidden agenda, and it's completely unlike any an interaction with sinful humans, right?
0: Yeah. Well, he, he it seems like he's always doing the Nathan thing, trying to condemn yeah. them with their own words.
1: Yeah, but I mean, even Nathan, I mean, right? I, I mean, you're right. I agree with that, uh, but. I, Obviously, when Jesus speaks, he has an authority even beyond that of Nathan, and courage beyond even that of sure,
0: sure, right. So, uh, any other fivefold use doctrine? You have, you know, what is lawful? I mean, I think that's a doctrinal thing, right? Um,
1: You know, you could talk about there. I did have just the sort of, you know, it's in the catechism. It's also in the Bible, right? That we should fear God's wrath. mm -hmm. They don't Mm -hmm. fear God's wrath. Uh, their their lack of humility, right makes them confident in the wrong things. and so you know to, to, there would be the possibility to recognize that we're not God forbid we be confident in our works. Uh, we should be confident in His word and his promises. We should though, in the midst of that fear his wrath. That's part of the humility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I mean, you know, to talk about humility, I did print out you know a list of cross references. This idea of, uh, you know, this, uh, what do we call this, this sort of thesis statement, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. That idea does come up in the Bible quite a few times. So you could look at that. Uh, Obviously, there's a parallel in in Matthew, but you have, you know, other places in the Proverbs and so forth where that idea is brought up. Uh, What does it mean that, and, and the Not here. Here it's, you know, he who humbles himself, but there's many places where it talks about God will humble the proud. Mm -hmm. So you could do something with that for sure that could be useful. What's true humility? What's false humility? Maybe along with that, like you said, what's godly ambition? Um, I think I'm going to probably do the, I kind of like that, you know, what is lawful and how we use theology to not read the Bible or to get out Mm -hmm. of things that are uncomfortable or inconvenient
0: yeah i've kind of done that in the past the it, but it was right after right along with the kind of covid lockdowns and all the mandates that were coming out you know of oh, course yeah. it's lawful to gather against the dictates of our jewish governor or whoever or whatever the, what other mandate had come that yeah that's
1: that's a good application though
0: but i don't know if i really want to do that again
1: (laughs) right yeah i mean you may not want to if you've done it but i mean it's a useful idea for other because we do need to teach i mean again right we do need to teach you know the hierarchy of the hierarchies and um you know of of the estates Mm -hmm. and recognize that the government right we have to put romans 13 in context and the actual words of Romans 13, because we're not called to blind obedience to the government, and it is entirely possible for the government to overreach and make unlo- laws that are unlawful according, na- or according to natural law, yeah. and that deny the the rights that are given to the family and to the church. And mm-hmm. So that's a great that's a that is a good application um, that we do need to teach that sometime, mm-hmm. not this Sunday, and yeah. it needs to be taught from the pulpit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah
0: I went through the. You know, of course it was lawful for the Hebrew midwives to lie to Pharaoh. Of course it was lawful. Um, And of course it was lawful for us to to meet despite the governor's dictates. Of course it was lawful. Um, But Good. Yeah. But I don't know what direction I'd want to go. I'm kind of on this ambition thing um, that I I just get the sense that we – view humility um, and uh, along with not having ambitions. Um, And and so, uh, and we view contentment as settling. Like it's just, instead of delighting in what has actually, what we actually have and trying to kind of retrain people thinking about those things that, that contentment isn't settling, it's actually delighting in what we have not what we don't have not pining away for what we don't have and just settling into what's right in front of you and and secondly to um to have ambition for the things that god desires us to have ambition for like to to yeah. to run after those things and to train yourself to 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 go through them and and to dive into them and and it seems as though we've kind of been trained that we shouldn't have ambition for anything. We should just be kind of like robotic and, and I, passive. Yeah, and passive. And that's yeah. but nobody lives like that. And <laughs> since we don't train what we're supposed to go after, people just go after whatever they feel like. Right.
1: Right. Again, not not being Guided by the Bible, but if you just say the gospel will take care of it, then you just look into your own heart to figure out what's right.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
1: not a good idea. You know, Aquinas talks about even godly pride. Mm. Uh, You know, that if we're proud uh, of God and what he's done and we seek his glory. I mean, there. So, yeah, I think you're right that, you know, this, I really like Aquinas on this stuff because he talks about, you know, everything being properly ordered. Mm -hmm. And 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 being you know warning against the kinds of abuses and extremes that don't take the whole thing into context. So
0: well, maybe you could bring this up in terms of what is lawful. Um, yeah. Still, in the lawful sense with
1: regard to pride,
0: or in terms of what Jesus is asking us to do is use godly wisdom to discern its proper order. Right. Like so, all things th- there's an order to things, and. Yeah. Uh, So what is the good to which you ought to be directed at every single time? Not your, not, you know, when you're choosing the lower place, you're thinking about the good of your neighbor. When you're choosing who to invite, you're thinking not of yourself, but of the good of your neighbor. There's a, there's a particular order to those things and you should, yeah, you should chase after those things and be ambitious for those things, but not shrink back from them because it's going to take away from you. Maybe there's also just an application in terms of how we view the world. Like, do we view the world that God created this world abundantly with abundance, or do we view it as kind of zero sum game? If I don't get it, uh, if someone else gets it, then I necessarily don't.
1: Yeah, yeah. To use to use created goods moderately as they were well, again within the order and. Th- easier easier to say than to do but at least we ought to start saying it mm-hmm. and we ought to have some ability to think about it with precision so that we you know might might work towards coming closer to it so that we stop hurting ourselves and others so mm-hmm.
0: much so with the goal of your sermon try to building off what is lawful to actually ask them to think is this lawful is this within God's order
1: yeah. I I want them. I think what what is what does the Bible actually say? Yeah. I want them to. I want. I want to, and I want them to be guided by God's word, not by looking into their hearts to see what feels right, Uh
0: or listening to the world,
1: (laughs) or listening to the world. Which, yeah, I don't know which would be the refutation,
0: right? The refutation of what does your heart say? What does the world say about judging? About love? Um,
1: Yeah about sexual deviancy, about on and on and on, mm-hmm. right? No, we're going to go by the Bible. That, that's what determines what is lawful. And mm-hmm. by lawful, we mean good, we mean ordered, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, no, that's. I think that, that
0: still would be a, a good thing to, to, to go down, even though I covered it in a different way. I think yeah. that is a necessary thing to say, Jesus asks the question, is it lawful? Do we even ask that question? <laughs>
1: right. We're, we're usually, I mean, our question is not, is it lawful? It's, I think it's, we're, we tend to be more of, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Do, do I have to? Right. Uh, right. So, all right. Well, I think we, I think we've, I think we're out. Okay. I think we're out of material. All
0: right. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you have comfort and consolation? Other than that, he exalts the humble, he raises us up.
1: There you go. Okay. No, I didn't really. Didn't really go through the fivefold this thoroughly this time, but yeah, sure. He goes up. He heals somebody, mm-hmm. right? He has compassion. He's there with them. He talks to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that compassionate. Right? I mean, examples of and of his consistent mercy. So okay. All right.
0: Well, thanks, Dave.
1: Thank you.